Welcome to the What Is Life Dude podcast. We're your hosts, Eric and Sarah. I'm a freelance musician. And I'm a vegan chef and food blogger. This is where we share our thoughts about building a healthy relationship, working as creatives on our own terms, and living with intention and authenticity. We don't have it all figured out yet, but every conversation gets us a little closer to answering the question, what is life, dude? Hello, and welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast, everybody. We are Sarah and Eric. Everybody, we welcome. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> welcome to the first episode of the new year. Hope you guys like the new theme song. Um, so the theme song that you guys just heard isn't actually done as of when we're recording this, but uh, it's in the works and we have it. We have it almost completed. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that we know it'll be done but I'm, I'm still working on it. And I I know we we wanted to go for a chiller, calmer, ambient vibe. So I tried to open up the podcast by not screaming, hello, welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast, <laughs> kind of like I usually do. So I went for a lower energy energy thing. Right. I think it's funny that you're the previous version of the theme song, because we've had a few iterations of it, it's so clear that you had just kind of discovered like a desire to learn how to engineer pop music Mm -hmm. and you had all these like new tools and stuff and uh yeah it's just interesting and i specifically requested something a little more chill for Mm -hmm. this season yeah a little more ambient yes so So what are we talking about today today we're going to be talking about our 2021 goals uh so we're going to go over personal goals for both of us and also goals we have as a couple and uh the podcast yeah, for the podcast. Yeah, a romantic couple, but also a business couple, mm-hmm. you know? We each specifically chose two individual goals and then one to two for the podcast. And we want to keep this episode, I think, a little bit shorter mm-hmm. um, and maybe try to keep future episodes, not on the super short side, but shorter than they typically have been, Right, which is like over an hour, hour and a half area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not that we're going to start like prematurely truncating conversations if they're good but mm-hmm. i do think it can it can challenge us to be a little bit more to the point you know succinct yeah yeah and well like you said we'll definitely have conversations that go to a different place than we expected and we just ramble but i mean something we've been learning and it's it's in a way it's part of all of our goals it's just doing what feels right and what feels good and not doing anything for the sake of any other reason you know mm-hmm. So if we feel good about, let's keep talking about this topic mm-hmm. and an episode's very long, then we'll do it. Yeah. But if it's going to be a forceful thing, we're like, meh. So we'll keep playing it by ear. Right. Should we jump in right away? Let's do it. You want to go first? Um, sure. So can I, can, will, you, will you hand me the list? Sarah asked, Sarah <laughs> asked me and then, and then wrote them down. There's not it, that much information on here. It's almost like in my weird shorthand that has a lot of meaning to me, but that might not make sense to you. <laughs> You're right. But you should know your goals. Come I on. Know. I know. <laughs> I wanted to look at them and just see which one I wanted to talk about first. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about career first. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I, how do I phrase this in a succinct way? My first goal of 2021 is to continue finish figuring out my career path 
mm-hmm. and all of the things I want to pursue and all the things I want to do that tie together as my career. Right. Um, so 2020 was kind of, uh, it was a very strange year. You got pushed out of the nest almost right away at the start of the year. So yeah, the, the nest being, uh, my his, job yeah, that, that I did he'd not been in for like. three years. Yeah. Um, and then 2020 was a lot of ideas, both for myself and for you and I. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was tough. And I feel like a lot of ideas floated around that just weren't, weren't right and were not authentic, right. which we've talked a lot about. Um, and I feel like I've gotten to the point where I, I truly know what I want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I think... And and I think part of it is like being okay with kind of stacking things and doing doing a lot of things and pulling them all together as a career instead of just, oh, well, I have a job here and that's what I do for work. Right. Right. I feel like that's the way a lot of us are going. It's like especially with social media being a source of a lot of people's careers now. There's a lot of diversity in the way that people can make money. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, ads, sponsorships, affiliate links. There's working with clients. There's making courses, events. Well, not so much events, live events now, but yeah. definitely an option. So I feel like that's definitely appropriate for mm-hmm. you too because you are a very dynamic sort of person. And I can see you getting bored doing just one. Like say if you just locked yourself into only doing freelance theme songs for the rest of your life i could see you getting very bored so i think that's it's good for you to try to diversify your streams of income yeah um and just to specify kind of my list of things i've been thinking about more recently is doing the freelance theme songs um other custom music like maybe scoring a short film i'm actually gonna write some songs for my sister's short film that she's working on right now um so that'll be fun and that's kind of like my intro to what that feels like and looks like um but i've also been thinking about giving music lessons virtually and like music production lessons sarah and i had like a you know this is why we have a podcast because sometimes we just go into conversations that we don't expect to be so deep Mm -hmm. you know like this morning like, like an hour ago we were just we <laughs> yeah were we just, already had a podcast episode just between us yeah we were just chatting and then we're talking about like goals for the future and like what we want our lives to look like years from now right, right? which is a much different topic than this year's goals but it was kind of like wouldn't it be nice to have a house but i have like a little we keep calling it a casita <laughs> like a little house somewhere else on our property just like detached from the house where I have like a really nice recording studio and like clients can come and record stuff. Um, and it it kind of just made me think more about what I'm talking about now in this episode and how I can achieve those f- more futuristic goals. Right. And it's interesting. Nothing really seems too impossible or, you know, nothing is that out of what's the, what's the saying? <laughs> Sometimes I forget. The realm of possibility. Out of left field. Is Uh, that it? Right? Like it's all, it all feels very tangible to us because 
I feel as if a lot of people, when they realize something's not really right with the life they're living, they don't, they aren't feeling happy. And they just have that very vague feeling, but they don't know exactly what they want. And then they dive into self-development or spirituality or law of attraction. And everyone's saying, don't just visualize your dream life, visualize it. But we don't really have enough detail at that point to make a visualization that feels real or, or possible to us. So we're just like, I guess I'll visualize like getting a latte from Starbucks every day and like I have a couple nice cars, you know? Yeah. And now it's, I feel like we have been on that we've tried on so many different versions of our ideal life and gone through so many visualizations and the more we try and sometimes fail the more specificity we gain and now our visualizations feel a lot more real to us and a lot more attainable yeah and more authentic it feels a little bit more like um it's like the difference between something feeling like big and exciting and expansive and flashy versus just a feeling of coming home, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I feel like when we have been talking about what we want for our future, what we want to build together and individually, it feels a lot more like something that has always been inside of us lately. Yeah. And, you know, something that led to, well, not something that led to it, but the earlier part of that conversation I referred to earlier um, was kind of Sarah talking about, well, she'll talk about her goals, um, <laughs> but her career and what she wants to do and whatnot. And then we kind of like took a break and I put YouTube on the TV and there's this guy I watch, his name is Samurai Guitarist. Mm. And he's, well, he's kind of what his <laughs> his name says he is. Um, he he's a literal samurai. I mean, <laughs> he's a Japanese guy, which mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's very in, in touch with his um, heritage. Right. So he goes by Samurai Guitarist. Um, and he, he he made this video called like having a conversation with my 16 year old self in mm-hmm. which he, he did that thing where he edited himself talking to himself. But he like shaved his face and made himself look like a 16 year old version of himself. And, and like, like changed all of his mannerisms and way of speech. So yeah. it was a little awkward. And he's now as a 33 year old adult, he is still kind of shy, it seems. And like he's not awkward because he's a, he's good at being a YouTube personality. Yeah. But you can tell he definitely kind of has that introverted mm-hmm. feel. Um, so he like really turned it on as his, as his 16 year old self. And they were talking and he's like, so you so you grew up and like now you do guitar for a living and he's like yeah yeah that's what i do and he's like so do you like travel around the world and like have groupies yeah yeah and sammy g yeah yeah um and sammy g as an adult was like well not really but i'm really happy i get to play guitar and make videos and do cool stuff like from my house with my my partner and my child Mm -hmm. and you know it's not what i dreamed about but it it's perfect right and i'm like that's that's what we that's what we want that's that what we feeling? need yeah mm-hmm. and like that idea of being a rock star that i've had since i was little it just doesn't matter to me anymore mm. like i've gotten so far removed from like what that would be like mm-hmm. and it's hard when you're a kid cuz you're like in my case, I wanted to be like Billy Joe from Green Day and be a rock star playing at, 
playing in the stadium where the Jets play to 100,000 people. And now I'm like, I did not grow up to be the kind of person that wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's a very weird feeling being like, I want to be a musician. But what if being a musician looked like teaching kids guitar or having a little recording studio and making songs in the recording studio and making songs for clients? Like, what if I was just my own kind of rock star? Yeah. And I did it in a way that was more in line with who I actually grew up to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, I think it's so common to fantasize about becoming a famous, like a celebrity or a rock star, because those are the people who have the most visibility mm-hmm. in society, especially when we were growing up and social media wasn't a thing yet. So there weren't micro what's i don't know what the term is like there were no influencers right there were just actors musicians right and athletes yeah so you're a normal person or you're a mega star right you're not just famous because like uh i don't i don't even know just because like you have a good personality or you look good or both Mm -hmm. like that that just didn't exist right so we didn't have that growing up and so it was like Either you're just a normal person like your parents or something, or you're a rock star. And we don't necessarily always have access to people who have different uh, different varieties of a job on a similar spectrum. Like, the, who makes the jingles that you hear on the radio? Or the music teachers who teach in all different, at all different levels. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, it's... It makes sense that we would have these really lofty visions, but there's definitely different ways that we discover to be recognized for the things we're good at and that we love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else came to mind while you were saying that, and I was so desperately trying to find it again (laughs) before before the conversation. You can always interrupt me. Even if you're like, hey, I'm having this thought, just remind me to come back to it. Yeah, I could. but yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I think I'm just I'm really starting to understand mm-hmm. how I can how I can do a different version of what I've always wanted to do. Right. It's almost I think a huge theme of how we have Eric and I both have been wanting to change the type of content we create is shifting more from affecting a certain number of people and more towards magnifying our influence over a smaller group of more specific types of people if mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. so rather than worrying so much about analytics and am i is my subscriber count growing not that that's a bad goal to have it's certainly you know an important metric but rather than that being our main or primary source of um information as to whether we're growing or improving thinking more about okay, what kind of person do I specifically want to be in my community, you know? Mm -hmm. And how can I best serve them? And maybe even moving away a little bit from making free content online and seeing like, how can I interact with people or do a transaction between like myself and one other person or a group of smaller group of people who need what I offer Mm -hmm. so I can really give them direct personalized attention and help yeah um okay i remember what i was gonna say (laughs) and then after i say this i want to spin it back to you and go to your first goal because i think it'll um it'll relate in a nice way so i was thinking about something you said to me the other day 
where I was talking about making YouTube videos and making content and just trying to figure out what I want to do, mm. right? That'll that'll hit all these all these things, mm-hmm. right? Make me feel good. People will like. I'm knowledgeable knowledgeable about. It's fun, and in trying in 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 doing the wrong thing in order to find the right thing, you know, you mentioned how on our joint cute threat channel. Oh yeah, I was gonna bring that up too. Yeah, we if if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know, like over the summer and the fall. We did four reaction videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. where we reacted to K-pop groups. And Sarah just mentioned to me recently how it was so telling that the best of those those four videos got two... It has 210,000 views. Which is more views than almost all of my videos on my account. My Sarah's Vegan Kitchen channel have even though I have like over 200,000 subscribers and I've been making videos for so long. So we started with like no subscribers and had a couple of these viral videos with just thousands of comments on it. Mm -hmm. And Sarah was like, you know, isn't it great that that happened to show you that you can get 200,000 views on a video and it doesn't matter because you were, when you make a reaction video, for a for an artist in which the fans are so committed and mm-hmm. so obsessed and um they, they refuse to hear any criticism about <laughs> yeah. about the artist they like and i understand that um so what you do in these videos is you pander mm-hmm. you say everything's amazing you you, you just point out all, all the good things about the videos and mm-hmm. you kind of like hold yourself back on criticisms um right or even some of the things we said that weren't criticisms, but were just observations about mm-hmm. their music or performance. Get taken as criticisms by the fans. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we put out these videos with the titles, Musicians React to Blank. Mm-hmm. And we were doing it from the perspective of two people who make music and know music. So, for example, I'd be like, oh, that was auto-tuned. Not a criticism. That's just how it was. And then all the fans would say, no, they don't use auto-tune. You're a bad person for saying so. So making these videos, even though they got so many views. And a little bit of revenue. And a little bit of revenue. Yeah. Sarah was like, isn't that amazing how it doesn't feel good? Because (laughs) you weren't doing anything that felt good to you. So even though you got the result you were looking for, it didn't. It did. You didn't get the emotional result, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, how to write a Green Day song? If that got two hundred thousand views, that would be amazing because mm-hmm. it would combine. It felt amazing to make. I love the video, and getting that result. And you're showing up as yourself. I think mm-hmm. that what a lot of, I think almost what all humans really want is just to be seen and recognized and appreciated for what comes naturally to us Mm -hmm. or what our natural talents are or what is in our hearts not to sound super cheesy but it's true i feel like we are born we have this inkling of what we intrinsically love and what we have the potential to be really good at Mm -hmm. and for most of us it's just layers and layers and layers of conditioning on top of that and then we have to unlearn all of it and come back to who we were all along. And I think all of us just want to be seen deeply and understood and recognized for our talents. 
And it doesn't matter. I feel as if I feel like the way a lot of celebrities, like tragic celebrity stories go, kind of shows that you can have all of the love and, well, quote unquote, love and attention and fame, and it might not feel fulfilling. It might feel really lonely if you're not showing up in the way that you were meant to. Yeah. Um, And real quick, but when I put out that how to write a Green Day video or how to write a Green Day song video that I love so much, it's like 25 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And the first 22 minutes are me explaining chord progressions and recording techniques and whatnot. So my whole family watched it. And I know most of my family listens to our podcast now. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to get yelled at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But my stepmom was like, how about you shorten it up and like maybe make it a little less technical sounding so that it can reach more people. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. Like, I don't I don't want to just make something more generalized mm-hmm. so more people can see it. Like, th- this is the reason because I want to I want to be seen for, oh, this guy knows about chord mm-hmm. progressions and production techniques. So right. like, while it might it might not be as mass marketable, it's like I'm OK with that for the sake of showing who I am and what i and most other people what i know and what other most people don't right you know yeah and i think you did kind of where you kind of landed was that you might still try to kind of make it faster paced Mm -hmm. but not go to the opposite extreme where you're like i'm gonna fit this video under this timestamp, kind Mm -hmm. of like the youtube equivalent of making a pop music song that's under three minutes right right it's like i did I did hear and appreciate and and understand her and my father's advice. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, you know, maybe I should make it like a little more easily understandable for the normal person who likes Green Day, but doesn't know a lot about music. So like meeting somewhere in the middle would, would, is, is the answer. Yeah. Um, But I just thought that was another good example. Mm -hmm. So how does this relate to your (laughs) goals? How does it relate? Um, uh, <laughs> well, I'm just going to dive into my more concrete goal because I have I have two that I wrote down, but one of them is like very kind of cut and dry. And my big goal is to transition away from taking as many sponsorships on my YouTube channel and my Instagram, I guess, but I mostly get sponsorships on my YouTube channel. It is my primary source of income. And I would also like to, if at all possible, disable the ads that YouTube runs on videos which is another big source of my income. And it's interesting when I rewind back to when I first started making videos before I was even getting enough views to generate any sort of ad income or attract sponsorships, I was already thinking about at what point it would be appropriate to to turn on ads. Uh, and I always felt kind of not positively about it. I wanted to delay it for as long as possible because I always felt that ads would drive people away, like it would make people question my integrity, I suppose. Uh, fast forward, and now it's extremely commonplace. And I don't, I've never really gotten a comment shitting on me for running ads on my videos. Or most of the time, I don't get comments about negative comments about running sponsorships either, because it's very normal. Like everyone, for the most part, who does YouTube as a career does work with sponsors. And so I, I think mm-hmm. people who watch YouTube a lot 
yeah. are not angry with creators for putting ads in. Yeah. I think they're mostly annoyed with YouTube for how many ads they'll put in. Right. Because that's not really up to you. Yes. So. So I've always felt very rocky about it. I talked a lot about it in our previous episode where I actually, if you listen to me, got quite triggered because it's not something, it's not an issue that's in the past that I've like really resolved. It's something that I'm still very much in the middle of and am still navigating some fear as far as what will I, how will I make money when I'm not doing this? But I just, and it's, it's getting more and more magnified to me, the problems with ads. <laughs> Eric and I just watched a Netflix documentary by, well, directed or produced? What, what's the directed. term? Yeah, by Matt Diavella, who's a YouTuber who makes a lot of content about minimalism and self-improvement habits. And I, we're going to talk about him later during our like joint couple slash podcast goal. But... He did a video about minimalism, a video, uh, a, a documentary film. This, film. Is, this is classic Sarah. <laughs> she calls movies and films videos. Yeah. And then she'll call like a YouTube video a movie. A movie. <laughs> I mix up those those terms it, kind of in the same way that I mix up uh, numbers a lot. Numbers and time. I don't know why. Um, You're like, yeah, that was three days, uh, three, we- uh, three years ago. <laughs> right. But this documentary spotlights these two guys who are i think known as the minimalists that's their business and they both talk about how they reached a lot of success from a like a, like a i'm like blanking on a lot of words today for some reason okay. i just feel in generally more sluggish mm. but like a more traditional sense they were successful quote unquote so they were making a lot of money but they were also spending a lot so even though they had large salaries they weren't that happy. Their one of them, their relationship kind of crumbled. They got a divorce. Their mom died the same month, I believe. They were just talking about how they had both come from kind of not having very much as kids, and it had driven them to never want to be poor and to just want to pad their existence with lots of things. So they were living paycheck to paycheck, or at least one of them was, despite making so much money. And they both just talked about how minimalism transformed their lives and they have more meaning now. And now they make money talking about minimalism. minimalism. Right, and this film. So I've just been thinking so much about consumerism, how it's affected me negatively, which we've talked about in a lot of past episodes, and how I've spent many, many years of my adult life, basically since graduating college in 2013, trying to make more money to attain more things and to feel more secure like I wanted the house I wanted the car I had this vision of a life that was different from the life that I had growing up um, which was very small and the closer I got to that goal the worse I felt and the more I was having like little meltdowns and all of that and so I just kind of on the other end of that now am wanting to not participate in that culture at all. Mm. And so I don't really want ads running on my videos because I've noticed, especially now that it's the new year, all the ads that I get uh, that I'm served when I'm watching YouTube have been about dieting and like various dieting apps. And they're all of, all of them start 
by denouncing diet culture, and then they try to loop you in and sell you on this supposedly different model of dieting and weight loss. And I understand, you know, especially as someone who's had disordered eating, like how damaging that can be (laughs) and to be just pummeled with this sort of rhetoric everywhere you go. But except now companies and brands know that it's not politically correct anymore. So they try to lie to you to make you think it's different. Not that, you know, it's I'm not trying to say that losing weight is always a bad you know goal it could be very well healthy for you but i think right. it's a lot of brands are very disingenuous about how they are approaching it yeah it's it's all about it's all about intention right mm-hmm. it's like well are you trying to are you trying to get people to be healthier or are you trying to do something else to make them keep coming back and giving you money and <laughs> you don't actually care if they get healthier right um, right. but it's, it's funny you're talking about ads. Cause I think I mentioned last episode, I'm listening to ready player one. And basically the concept of the book is that it's a few decades into the future and everyone basically lives their lives inside this virtual reality game called the Oasis. Mm-hmm. And like, that's where they live their lives now. Like the real world doesn't matter as much, but one of the fears of the people who enjoy playing in the Oasis or living in the Oasis is that this big this big company it's basically comcast is <laughs> going to like earn the rights to the company through you know, more details <laughs> um and they're going to put ads everywhere and make you pay for everything mm-hmm. and you know people reading and listening to the book reply like oh my god yeah that sounds so unfair why would a company do that and then it's like um actually that's happening yeah e- everywhere you know mm-hmm. like that's already happening Right. And it's 2020 and it's 2020, it's 2045 in the book. It is. And when you think about how many industries, obviously the beauty industry, fashion industry, a diet industry, and now a lot of influencer marketing industry, Mm -hmm. it's all based upon making you feel like you're not enough. Mm -hmm. Therefore, buy this thing for better health, for better relationships, for better sex, for all of these things. And I don't want to be a part of it. I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Not that selling things is always wrong, but I want us to, I want people to feel like free to examine whether things will actually bring meaning and happiness to their lives. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking, it's funny on YouTube, I feel as if there's a lot of popular creators who make those aesthetic quiet videos we listen we watch a lot of craig adams videos and he just does really beautiful quiet hiking videos uh who else who else have we been lizzie chi Mm -hmm. she's a chinese creator who we've talked about before who just grows things out in the chinese countryside and makes beautiful meals Mm -hmm. and what primitive technology tell him about him (laughs) um So I don't think he makes videos anymore, but he's a guy that lives somewhere in Australia and he goes into the Australian bush in just a pair (laughs) of shorts. Yeah. And I mean, he had his channel running for a number of years, maybe five or six years, Mm -hmm. but he basically, he he basically just made stuff out in the wilderness, (laughs) like from what was there from natural yeah 
exactly just i don't even know i can't even say it so right. he would build larger projects like he's made huts and clays ovens and all of that but what he uses to make those bigger projects are all tools that he's made in, in previous videos. episodes <laughs> yeah right and um, no dialogue or anything just captions that you can choose to turn on or off mm-hmm. And I feel like these channels are so immensely popular because there is a part of human nature that just craves that level of simplicity and getting back to what is essential. And it's really hard to do when we're, you know, very enmeshed in our society here where we all have to work to afford just to exist, really. And then we have to work to afford. And this is the whole point of the minimalists Mm -hmm. is then we have we we feel pressured to buy a bunch of they kept using the word stuff (laughs) it's just everything is just stuff yeah whether it's emotional stuff Mm -hmm. or things that physical stuff Mm -hmm. but it's just like we feel so pressured to buy all this stuff yeah just so we can fit in with all the other people who have stuff yeah right i mean it's like i feel like the idea is so prevalent in teenagers Mm -hmm. and like it never goes away (laughs) <laughs> like like we saw some of Sarah's family the other day and she has a cousin who's in high school and she was just walking around like with one AirPod in and I'm <laughs> like, do you have one AirPod? She's like, ah, yeah. And she like kind of brushed her hair back. She's like, I have an AirPod in. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, people, teenagers just, yeah. that's what they all do. That's when you first kind of start to, well, I guess it starts earlier actually because I remember being in elementary school and comparing what I was wearing to other girls And now, like, the highlight of the year is going shopping for new school clothes. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting. I, on the topic of, like, primitive technology or these videos where we're going back in time, kind of, and it's our little escape, I, like, remember or I think about a time when every single thing, when money was scarcer, right, and things weren't mass-produced and available for so cheap, And a family would think really hard about buying someone a new dress or a new pair of shoes. And just everything that was added to the life was so much more intentional. And that's just the opposite has happened now. And it's it's with social media and a lot of social media influencers making a lot of money and posting on stories. And we can really see we have like a... A window into their day-to-day life where they have really nice things and now we're not just comparing ourselves to other people like us but we're comparing ourselves to kylie jenner and she does a big tour of her house which my my christmas decorations tour mm-hmm. and just has so much and never repeats an outfit and her hair is a different color in every picture and that's what we're comparing ourselves to. And we feel almost entitled to have the same degree of luxury and the same number of options. Was that in the film? Was the that film? idea? Is that, is that where we saw that? Or Not the Kylie Jenner else? thing, but I think they did mention in, in the Minimalists film how we used to, like in the 50s, for example. Right. Okay. It was that. We'd reference ourselves against other people in our neighborhood. Like we all have the same fridge or stove or appliance or outfit. And now we all have access to, like you said, every celebrity. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> I, I recently just unfollowed The Rock because yeah. I'm like, well, I truly, I truly don't care about The Rock that much. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. And like I see like those people are just 
it's not unattainable to like become wealthy mm-hmm. but it's it's probably unattainable to become like one of the wealthiest people <laughs> in the world yeah not that rock it the rock is but you know what i mean like we're not comparing oh yeah we have like oh some we have similar refrigerators it's mm-hmm. like oh the, you know their refrigerator costs more than my house right <laughs> we were we started recently watching architectural digest house tours and the best example I can think of is David Dobrik, a very popular popular YouTuber. How old is he even? I think he's 23. Oh, goodness. And has like a multi-million dollar home. And I mean, his home costs way less than a lot of the other homes in that series. Mm-hmm. Or Zed, the music producer, has a $16 million home. Yeah. And there's like a bowling alley and a big, just all sorts of stuff. And not that I'm shitting on anyone who wants to have those things and can afford them by all means, spend your money in the way that you see fit and that brings you happiness. But it's not healthy for each of us to be comparing our environment to that because we're not that person. Yeah. So I feel like it's just so easy for us to get caught up in that cycle of consumerism and to wind up in debt and all of that terrible shit. And as soon as you're in debt, you don't have the freedom to make choices that are heart-centered. You're really just trying to survive, which, you know, in this day and age really shouldn't be, you know, we're so safe and we have so much wealth as a nation that there are people who are worried about just even affording to live is kind of sad you know Mm -hmm. so back to my goal i just want to unplug from this i'm not saying that i'll completely stop working with brands but i want to choose them very very carefully and so the brand the protein brand that i work with vivo life i think is a good example because they're very socially and environmentally responsible all of their packaging is home compostable they have carbon neutral shipping and like really good high quality ingredients. They're a vegan brand. And so it feels very in alignment for me to support them. And I want to have that same relationship with every brand that I work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And just to be like radically like honest, I feel like there's, so I've worked with a couple brands. I don't know that if I'm like even allowed to like say the names, <laughs> um, but I've just worked with a couple of brands that for example, involve a lot of packaging. And I've felt reservations about it. And I kind of knew when I posted it that some people would comment about it. And I always just, the brands know this and they have like the line of defense set up. Say mm-hmm. these things to like kind of make people feel better about Phrase the it waste. in this way. Right. Or um, you can recycle all the packaging. But when you think about it or do further research, you have to take the packaging to a very specific type of recycling plant to get it recycled. Yeah. So just like that whole greenwashing thing where you want people to you want to pacify people so they think they're doing the right thing mm-hmm. but they're not and brand big brands know this you know so yeah they have experts they hire experts <laughs> in order to lie more convincingly yeah. to everyone mhm i feel like i don't want to believe that as a company grows it always has to become evil but i do think that that is oftentimes what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I just always want to focus less on money and more on what impact I can make on people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Goal number two. For you? Mm Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, I mean, it's... I I feel like this is a a goal, a resolution that's, like, pretty standard. Um, 
but I want to better myself. <laughs> um, so I was trying to think of like a um, a more precise, in-depth way to phrase all of this, but I want to better myself emotionally, mentally, and physically, but I, I think the reason it feels different this this time around this year is because I feel like my approach is much different than it has been um so when it comes to like I'll start with physical health I feel like it's always come from a place for me where I'm like you look bad you're fat you're chubby you always have been like do do better you loser and I'm really getting to a point where I'm kind of healing my relationship with food. Mm. You know, I've never been like, like extremely unhealthily overweight. I've just been kind of in that like lingering, like you're technically overweight category. Like you're fine, but like technically according to the doctors. And I'm like, I just, I, I want to be a little, a little healthier. Mm. And I feel like now I'm I'm really learning how to think about the food I eat and how much food I eat. And it feels a lot better. It feels like it's coming from a, a healthier place. So basically, I wrote in my journal, which is another part of bettering myself, is I have started... I, I, I told myself it doesn't have to be every single day, but... Just use your journal a few times a week. Just mm-hmm. write down what you've been thinking about. Um, and it can even be like reiterations of stuff we've talked about on the podcast or conversations you and I have had. But just like write it down and see what happens. And I wrote in my journal the other night, I wrote, I don't want to better myself because I hate myself. I want to better myself because I love myself. Mm-hmm. And I've just been kind of telling myself this over and over again. It's like, don't do it out of a place of shame. Mm-hmm. Do it out of like, if you're, if you become a person who's nicer, more caring, more respectful, um, everything will be better. Yeah. Right. Everything around me will be better. Um, looking a certain way, feeling a certain way is mostly just for me, but it can still come from a positive place. Right. I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially as far as dieting goes. I think a majority of people at some point struggle with their body image. And I think shame is very much a natural sort of thing. And I think certain in certain instances, shame certainly is important because it keeps us in line with like the good of the collective, I'd say. Um, but I do think we it becomes such a big part of the psyche that it doesn't serve us anymore sometimes. So... I, I, it's weird. This is something that I also learned as far as my relationship with food. It's weird to me to think about how 10 years ago I was still very much in the middle like of an eating disorder and it really consumed my days and I would spend so much time on social media just looking at people who were thinner than me and so much time just staring at myself in a mirror and now it's it never happens really. Mm. I like was... I posted a little review of 2020 on my Instagram stories and I was scrolling through my camera roll just seeing what popped out at me as a memorable uh, picture that I wanted to talk about. And I noticed that this year compared to 
previous years, I had almost no selfies or no pictures of myself in a mirror, um, like looking at my body, trying to take before pictures for some sort of fitness journey. That kind of fell off in maybe March, Mm -hmm. May, I guess. And I'm really happy with that. I'm happy that it's not a source of obsession with me anymore, that I very rarely feel guilty about food that I eat. And it's really helped that I've fallen back in love with cooking, like as an art. And I also view cooking as um, a healing modality now, I think. And I want to view everything that I make as potentially a healing modality, food and music and art. Mm -hmm. And what we do here, too. Um, So I think it's I think the transition from change motivated by fear and shame to change motivated by what's in my highest good is something that can't necessarily be taught mm-hmm. i think you have to it, it just takes just observing your thoughts or noticing that maybe you're in a cycle where you keep trying to diet in a specific way and it doesn't work and you end up feeling like more of a failure and shittier about yourself which is what happens to a lot of people you know yeah and that's why like i'm not i'm not trying to give advice to anyone or tell anyone to do it mm-hmm. in this way because i i mean if a few years ago i tried to i tried to come at this like losing a little bit of weight thing mm-hmm. with the angle oh well i'm just gonna have a better relationship with food and like understand what i'm eating and kind of think about like okay well why do i want to eat more when i'm not hungry like what am i trying to heal inside of myself by like shoving more pad thai in (laughs) right but you you can't just do that right like it it, it's taken me a long time to get to this point where i'm like hmm i think i can approach it from this angle now and i don't don't i'm not saying to go do that if you're Mm -hmm. if you don't feel comfortable being there yet yeah does that make sense yeah totally i think that's the theme of this podcast is that we can share our individual experiences or what we've learned from other people sharing their experiences but it's it's very much something that you have to learn behind the wheel i would say yeah and when people say oh just love yourself it doesn't it it takes a while for that to click and it takes trying on a couple different ways of like when you think about self-love what might it mean and the spiritual teacher teal swan talks about just taking it decision by decision moment by moment if i am feeling bad what would someone who loved themselves do right now and it changes person to person moment to moment it changes from what phase in you are in your life, right? Yeah. And then physical changes aside, when it comes to emotions in my brain, mm-hmm. um, I feel like over, I think over the last year specifically, I've done a lot of growing. Um, I mean, you and I talked about, last night we talked about like what our lives used to be like when we first moved in together <laughs> and how, I mean, we won't, we won't get into this now. Maybe we can talk about it more at some point if we feel so inclined Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was working a lot and I was really tired when I wasn't at work and it, we didn't really take time for our relationship that much mm-hmm. and to like do the things that 
would have made us a stronger couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've changed a lot from being that person. And I feel like I could be a much better partner to you now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a lot of ways I have grown, but I just want to keep growing. Yeah. I just want to continue being a better person to you, to my family, to strangers. Just, I mean, I don't, con- I don't interact with strangers right now. <laughs> None of us do. Um, but I mean, like just a quick example, like I feel like I've done so much learning and growing. And then yesterday in the morning, I was texting with my sister and we kind of had some miscommunication and she said something and got a little angry, which like really triggered me because mm-hmm. she's my sister and we've been fighting since we were born like siblings do right and i got so mad and i said something back and then we were both really mad at each other and then it de-escalated and we kept talking and i was like i'm sorry you got like a little mad and it really set me off and i really have to work on that Mm -hmm. and she was like the exact same thing happened to me and i also need to work on that Mm -hmm. and we kind of just had like this mutual experience of like yeah we're all growing and learning but sometimes (laughs) sometimes these things just kind of happen and i'm like i'd like to be able to contain myself more yeah like especially with my family Mm -hmm. you know that's the interesting thing about triggers is that they really are these opportunities they're little prompts to see what is still hurting you Mm -hmm. like what thorns there are that still need to be plucked out which isn't to say that you should go around intentionally trying to trigger people for their better their better good. This will be good for you, I promise. <laughs> That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just to look at your own triggers. And I think a lot of when we talk about, you know, journaling or meditation, it's those are moments where you can sit just with yourself and revisit things that triggered you throughout the day because quite often when we're going about our day and we feel triggered, we are just going to play out, um, it's almost like a little computer program, like a little sequence of actions or responses that unfolds almost without our conscious involvement, right? Mm-hmm. We get programmed at a really young age. This is how you respond to different different stimuli or situations. And it gets away from us most of the time. And we're just living a program. And I think when you start to become conscious... And oftentimes I think the impetus to start trying to become more conscious is that you realize you're in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. You kind of sometimes have to reach a rock bottom to be prompted to question, is what I'm thinking serving me? Are the programs I'm living out every day serving me? So, you know, I think anytime you're feeling like you're at a rock bottom, you can kind of consider it to be a jumping off point for your your growth i guess although it feels shitty to hear that said sometimes um so i think it is i think that's the importance of finding time to be in silence to be with yourself to not be numbing with you know food or social media or a lot of people just online shopping there's all sorts of numbing right so I think this goes back to our episode also about creating space. It's temporal space, mental space, emotional space, just to connect with what you know is true. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of easy to brush aside when you're feeling unhappy. Yeah. You know. Um, real quick, and then I want to ask you about your second goal. <laughs> but speaking of social media and numbing, 
I, I've never followed that many accounts on Instagram. I was following, I, I know, I know I sound crazy, but I was following <laughs> 312 people, hmm. which is, I know not a lot. I know some people that follow like 4,000 people. Yeah. Um, but I kind of was, I was just scrolling and scrolling and I was like, I see these accounts constantly mm-hmm. and it does not serve me anything. Yeah. So I went, I sorted my follow, the people I was following by like most interacted with or most shown in feed mm-hmm. and all the ones where I'm like, oh yes, I see these all the time and I don't care. I unfollowed them. And now mm-hmm. I follow, follow like 200 people <laughs> and I jump on Instagram a few times a day now and I see like three posts and then it says, you're all caught up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll put my phone down. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have anything to do. Right. And it's, it's really quite nice. Yeah. In a similar vein, kind of inspired by all the things we've been talking about lately, I started a separate Instagram account. I ha- I'm not posting content on there right now, but I might at some point. But she hasn't even told me what it's, <laughs> the, the username so I can go right. follow it. It's a place where I can just fo- I've only followed maybe 20 to 25 accounts. And I'm also getting to that point where I scroll down to the bottom and says, you're all caught up. And it starts just showing me random, you know, ads and similar accounts. Mm-hmm. But it's this place where and I keep getting recommendations as to people I might want to follow some of them from because I think my account is connected to my Facebook so it knows like (laughs) it knows too much about me basically so it's like here's your aunt here's your high school friend that you follow on your other account and I'm like no this is my place where I don't have to feel obligated to follow people you know sometimes you feel obligated to follow people as a social like convention you know oh, yeah like i gotta follow all my family and my friends and anyone who follows me and anyone who i kind of know in social media land and it's just it's it's just annoying and so i created this account where i can just follow people who like i feel when i'm scrolling through it like excited and motivated and it feels very curated mm-hmm. for me which is how um, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. right um, but yeah. it's really, I mean, some would say it really evolved to a new place. I would, I would say it devolved, but, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, second goal. My second goal, it's kind of similar to yours, but it's my version of it. And it's just to keep prioritizing my learning when we, maybe middle of this year, if you go back and listen to our episodes, we kept talking about this feeling of stagnation. Is stagnancy a word? Stagnation that we were both feeling. And I felt like ever since I moved to Colorado, I very much fell into this comfortable place where, you know, I was in the consumerism trap. I was very focused about what can I acquire for my home so I can feel like an adult woman, you know. And once I had done that, I was like, well, maybe we need a new bigger house. So we moved into a bigger space and then we proceeded to fill the rooms there. And then it was all stuff that we ended up not using, uh, collected dust that we I gave away or sold when we moved. And now we're back to a more minimalistic place. And everything that I've been bringing into my life lately has been things that I've been getting great use. So, you know, as far as minimalism goes, I think a lot of people mistake it with like an aesthetic <laughs> or like a checklist almost like have the fewest items possible. But it's more just about only bringing things into your life that serve you and that you'll get good use out of. So I have a lot of kitchen appliances, but sometimes just on days off, I'll have all of these different food projects. So I made some homemade yogurt 
And I've been making cultured cheese and homemade bread with sourdough. And I have kefir and a kombucha starter. So, and I got a dehydrator. And I just, I will use like five different appliances in one day. And I'm like, holy shit, I have more things than the average person, but they all make me so happy. Well, and it it is definitely the sense of having too much mm-hmm. is definitely heightened by our by our living um, situation yeah it's just it's uh our specific living situation you know like we live with sarah's family so when we moved from colorado we brought we brought a bunch of appliances and mm-hmm. kitchen tools that they already have yeah. right because they're also functioning human beings right. who make food so it's <laughs> like we feel like we have too much shit still because like our closet upstairs in our room is we have like a we have a bunch of appliances that we, we have an ice cream maker <laughs> yeah because like we have duplicates of everything mm-hmm. but we can't get rid of them because when at we some out, point we'll we're gonna move them. out and it goes back to oh we need these things again so right. right now it still feels like a little a little cluttered but it's just because we live with people who already own these things mm-hmm. so it's, it's just funny to me yeah so i went off on a little tangent there but what i was talking about was how i was acquiring a lot of things because i felt like i needed to but that didn't bring me a lot of happiness so i i talked in a previous episode about how i bought a lot of decor and furniture which we have since gotten rid of and it's so funny if i had just not bought those things just to fill a void I could have, you know, maybe I'd have an espresso machine now, which I'd use every day. Um, so I, I want to say that I felt stagnant because I was just focused on the wrong goals. And it put me on this treadmill where I didn't, uh, my business didn't grow that much because I wasn't really making inspired content. I was really just making it out of a place of, uh, of obligation just to pay my bills. Um, and so... Lately, I've been getting back into that very scholarly mode that I think I've always naturally tended to. I feel like it's very, very me to go down these crazy rabbit holes and become obsessive with certain things. Um, And I want to honor that this year and learn as much as possible about all the things that I love and that I want to incorporate into my career and my presence online. So... The cooking, obviously, and not just cooking. I mentioned earlier that I really want to start to consider, I want to connect with food and cooking as like a means to heal myself and other people and Eric. <laughs> and I've just been focusing a lot more about making nutritious food rather than, I mean, some some nutritious food is very easy. Like we really love making beans now. <laughs> but yeah, I want to study more about that, become more connected with food. And I want to start making it really beautiful too. I feel like we eat first with our eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to, I really want food to be another art form for me. I want to learn more about music and keep taking voice lessons. I want to learn about all the spiritual and help self-help stuff. I don't like the word, the phrase self-help as much really, but you know what I mean when I say that. I want to get super, super deep into astrology. And when I say that, I always feel this need to kind of like write it off or like laugh it off because I I feel other people's skepticism, but it is something that I'm so passionate about, like actually studying it in a really kind of scholarly manner, reading these really crazy texts. I have a lot of astrology books Um, and a lot of the people at higher levels of astrology are not just 
astrologers, they're very well versed in like Jungian psychology and mythology and all these archetypes because really astrology is the study of the human psyche and all of its different dimensions and stages of life and development. So I want to learn, I want to become an expert in those things and really pour myself into those studies without feeling all the pressure from like nor quote unquote normal people. Normies. Yeah. I just want to become like unabashedly me like i'm a weird person i've always i'm like i i've there's a lot of um you know like those coming of age stories movies i was gonna say videos <laughs> movies about coming of age and there's like a, a a kid who's get who's a little different and gets bullied it's like i i always i was so weird and, and different that i didn't even get bullied i just wasn't perceived i was just alone in a hallway and that's just like I've just always been different, and I, I just want to. <laughs> I just want to dive into that, you know, yeah. accept that, and and find that now that we have uh, social media, it, there are a lot of negative things about it, but it's also what allows you to find people who you might not find in your day to day life if it was twenty years ago. Yeah. So all my fellow weird people. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that it's easier for you to find your community when you are admitting who your community is, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So that's my goal. Just keep learning, 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 feeling like not being afraid to learn more about the ways that I could potentially help other people in the future. Because it's like I, there was this period where I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was working at the coffee shop and I seriously considered going back and getting a nursing degree because I feel like nursing is very popular for Filipino people and I am half Filipino and my mom had been in a nursing course for many years too and um, it just seemed like the right way and I could help people and I'm and now I'm older and I'm considering, well, what if I could help people by reading their natal charts? Mm -hmm. I know it's very unconventional and some people would roll their eyes, probably a lot of people, but there are those people out there. There's podcasts that have thousands and thousands of listeners and people who make full time income writing books about it and just connecting with other people who are equally passionate about it. So it's I think life is about instead of trying to fit in with what's just around you to find where you fit in naturally. I mean, as someone who was a, a naysayer of all of these, like, uh, I don't even know what to call them, like, quote unquote, pseudosciences. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really think they're pseudosciences <laughs> anymore. I mean, it's to, like, it to me, getting an astrology reading and someone telling you like, oh, well, when you were born, these planets were here and here's what it means. And just making you think about mm -hmm. the way you behave yeah. in a in a different way. It's no different than going to a normal fucking therapist and them talking to you about your life and why you behave certain ways. It's like yeah. it's it all just exists to make you consider why you're the way you are mm -hmm. and whatever way you can go about that in order to make yourself better in whatever way that means. Like that's fine with me. Mm -hmm. like, and interestingly I, enough, the way I found astrology after having been very much a skeptic my entire life was two years ago 
I was in this, you know, this rock bottom that I've been in for some time, this stagnant place. And when you're so low and you've tried all of the conventional things, you've done the therapy and the meds, you've, you know, you eat a healthy diet, you do your exercise for 30 minutes at least every single day. When you've exhausted your options, you're going to be open to a lot more. And that's fine. Like anything that is another lens through which to view your experience and to make meaning of it, I think no one should be shitting on that. I agree. Um, so do you want to close out with our joint goals? Sure. It did end up being a long episode. Mm. That's that's what we do. <laughs> um, okay, you have the list. Will you... Will you um, I, I, let's not say that this is a goal so much as um, kind of a way we're trying to go about it, I guess. Okay. So for the podcast, and I guess possibly for our joint YouTube, which we haven't published on in quite a while, but we do have a What Is Life Jude YouTube channel. We have been inspired a lot by Matt Diavella and similar channels. And I mean, tell them about the the types of videos we've been, we've kind of just been binge watching his videos. Yeah, uh, Matt Diavella mostly talks about his biceps. Um, (laughs) No, it's like a running joke on his channel. Um, But yeah, like Sarah was mentioning earlier, Matt Diavella's channel is about, it's partially about minimalism, partially about Mm -hmm. self-improvement and trying trying different things to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. Like the way I found him was through Sarah and the first videos I watched by him were he did a bunch of like 30-day challenges trials you know he quit sugar for 30 days he took cold showers for 30 days (laughs) because certain experts will say well taking cold showers every day does this to you and quitting sugar will do this to you and he kind of just wanted to try them out for himself um and it's just really fascinating stuff along with the fact that he's a filmmaker so his videos look very beautiful Mm -hmm. and very satisfying to watch (laughs) um and it's just kind of been making us think like what if we did something like that where we tried stuff that Matt tried, but also... And other things. Also totally different things. And we made them each a podcast episode. Right. So we could do stuff like Matt did, like quitting sugar for 30 days. And then we come back and do a podcast episode, maybe a short video about it. Um, what else has he done? He's done breath work every mm-hmm. day. He's done an hour of meditation every day for a month. That's a long, an hour's a long time. Yeah. I think he's quit social media. Just things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, things that various uh, gurus and self-help people and motivational speakers say to do. Yeah. So. And, and we were thinking of also doing like, just like one-off experiences mm-hmm. and coming back and talking about them to you guys. Like, we've both been, we, we've both been very aware of sensory deprivation <laughs> tanks for a long time. Well, just like, as we were starting to consider maybe doing one, coronavirus happened. And yeah. like I literally I had picked a place in Denver where I wanted to go and then everything kind of shut down. Yeah. So yeah. we're like, well, what if we just both went and did a sensory deprivation tank session and then right. talked about what the hell happened in there? And that, that's it. Yeah. That, that, I mean, like our conversations just always branch off to this place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by subjecting ourselves to these experiences, we yeah. could really get a lot out of them on the podcast. Right. I mean, there are so, uh, we want to do like 
more fringe ones too, like mm-hmm. a past life regression or we did hypnosis or just all sorts of because like when you've been as depressed for as long as I have and identified for as long as I have is just kind of a fucked up person. Uh, which I'm not, I'm not saying I am, but I definitely believe that about myself for many years. Like the the number of hours I've spent yelping different practitioners of healing modalities. And just I'm so plugged into all of that. And at the time, it, I don't know if it would have necessarily been healthy for me to like, you know, spend a bunch of money on all that. Because I was coming at it from a place of just wanting to give away my power. I was like, someone else, just please sort out whatever demon is <laughs> within me right now. Please just make me just feel better. exercise this. Yes. <laughs> um, but now I think, now that I understand that everything really comes from within. If uh, Everything I say is, sounds very cheesy, but I mean it in a very practical way. Is that nobody is coming to save you, really. And so I think there's lots of different healing modalities and methods out there, and I think it's healthy to try them, but to try them with um, with your expectations managed and to not expect that they're going to cure you or make your life better. Yeah. So I, I would love to try all of those different things just to see, you know, maybe some of them really will benefit me a lot. And I bet like you and I being such different people will connect with each of them differently and have different things to say about them. So I think that that could be a fun a fun set of experiments to do yeah. for the podcast and I think we'd probably make videos about it too. Shorter videos and then longer discussions on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and last night just on a whim we were talking about this and we wrote down like 4 months worth of I- of podcast ideas. <laughs> so um We'll right. see where that goes. Yeah. Of, of course, this is all dependent on COVID going away <laughs> and actually being able to go to these places to try these things. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, our first one we're currently in the middle of, well, we're at the very beginning of, is we're doing yeah. 30 days of yoga because yoga with Adrian is, she quite often will run these 30-day yoga series mm-hmm. that you follow along with. And I've done a lot of them, but I've never done them straight through. I usually will do like, oh, every third day, I'll do the next day. But Eric and I are both doing it together and we're going to try and, well, we will. We will stick to it for the full 30 days. Mm -hmm. Even if tonight we do it right before bed or something, Mm -hmm. we'll do it. So I'm really curious to see how that affects. It's already, I think, had a really good effect and we're three days in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like already feeling like like pops and stuff. Like (laughs) like my hips are popping and I feel like looser and yeah. And I think it's helped us reevaluate our relationship with fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. where we've been wondering, oh, how can we get fit and like strong the way we were before when we could go to a gym and pile on a bunch of weight onto a a deadlift bar? Mm -hmm. And we were thinking about, should we buy, because we just canceled our gym memberships, can we, should we buy some equipment should we buy some plates and such and they're really expensive and then sweet adrian (laughs) is like so you're just gonna hold this for five more seconds and i'm like five Ah! more seconds (laughs) yeah and i feel like so weak and yeah yoga really does make you get in touch with your body in a very specific way i've been my entire body has been sore for two days Mm -hmm. it's crazy what you can accomplish just 28 days to go yeah body weight stuff so Yeah, we'll we'll be doing an episode on that too at the end of this adventure. We urge you mm-hmm. to join us too if you've been, you, maybe you've been you've done yoga before, but you're wanting to get into it, mm-hmm. or you've never done yoga. I feel like she's really good at at meeting people where they are 
yeah giving lots of substitutions in case something's too difficult or you don't have the flexibility so isn't it funny how i I don't want to harp on this but i'm just thinking of like you know we keep talking about like amazon and walmart and huge corporations and how they don't care about us as people they just care about our money and Mm -hmm. they have like a stranglehold they they basically have monopolies they have legal subsidized monopolies Mm -hmm. and then i'm thinking about like Adrian kind of has a monopoly on like yoga on YouTube. Kind of. Like I don't know any other creators that I mean I I know they're out there, mm-hmm. but it's it's just funny to me that like right. she's like the leader of the YouTube yoga <laughs> culture. Yeah. Um yeah. I have no problem with that cuz from what I know of her she seems like a good person. Yeah, I mean you she know? she just started making yoga videos and now she's really popular. Yeah. Like, she didn't do anything wrong. I was just it's mm-hmm. my fault for comparing her to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a thought I had. Yeah, and I would I would actually be interested. I don't think she runs ads on her videos. I could be wrong. I, th- at least yeah. there's, n- there's no ad in the middle of her 28-minute oh practice, you yeah. know? Maybe she does put them at the beginning and the end or something. Yeah. That would be totally fair. Um, okay, what is our last thing? I don't think we have an, a last thing. I think that oh. pretty much in, in, encapsulates it, right? Oh, okay, Unless you yeah. can think of anything. No, I... I feel like just... We we really love this platform and the community we've built and we want to keep bringing, you know, we don't want to stagnate. We don't want stagnation and we don't want to talk about the same things over and over again. Mm. So I feel like we both feel motivated to grow as individuals so that we have more to bring back to this community. Yeah. So I think that that is, yeah. And it's funny, you know, one of the most amazing feelings about trying to better ourselves is that whenever one of us does have kind of a an emotional breakthrough mm-hmm. our relationship like levels up yeah um and i love that <laughs> yeah okay so i have an idea for the the thing we always do in which we play the jingle for <laughs> so what i'm gonna do is i we're gonna close out the episode but i want to do positivity box Okay, so we're going to do the positivity box. We're going to close out the episode, and then I'm going to say it's time for the thing, and then at the end of that, we'll say goodbye. How's mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Got it? Okay. Positivity box. Do you have one? Yes. Okay. I I just bought new running shoes. <laughs> I put 425 miles on my last pair over the course of last year, and which may sound like a lot, but I assure you it's not that much. Um and they're dead and they hurt my ankles now so i bought a new pair and i am gonna go run in them after we're done recording this Mm -hmm. and i'm very very excited because they're just so like the first like the first few weeks of running with new shoes it's like clouds yeah it's just there's so there's so much support Mm -hmm. so i got mizuno wave rider 2024 i think in case you're a runner and you care about running shoes those are the shoes i got Mm -hmm. and i'm stoked to try them out I'm excited to go to the park, too. I really am. It's Is it getting dark or is it just cloudy it's outside? It's cloudy out. It's cloudy outside. <laughs> What's um, your positivity box? It's so funny that we, we went on an anti-consumerism tirade and your, your uh, positivity box is shoes and mine is another product that I bought. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I got this little dip nail kit. So basically, I love having painted nails i always have but i'm very hard on my hands between playing instruments and cooking constantly and therefore washing things washing dishes constantly so i would do my nails and then by the end of the day they'd be chipped and i finally found a little kit like a a little kit 
for like DIY dip nails and they're really strong and pretty and they make me very happy like very a tiny glamorous. little girl. Mm-hmm. You are a tiny little <laughs> Some girl. Some things I feel like that make us the happiest are just the things that would have made our our child selves so happy. Mm-hmm. Just those simple things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to acquire like thousands of different different colors just basic because I can. Like I really just only wear pink and red. That's it. <laughs> so I'm not going to buy a bunch of colors. I'm just going to be happy with having the same manicure that lasts hopefully a couple weeks. I hope so too, baby. <laughs> um, and let me just say part of my running shoes experience that has also made me happy on the topic of consumerism is that I did not buy them from Amazon. <laughs> I bought them straight from Mizuno's website, which... I took... stole them from a hobo. I <laughs> Yes, I stole them from somebody. Right off his tootsies. Uh, ew, don't say that. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Um, yeah, so I bought them straight from Mizuno, and it took... It took a week to arrive instead of two days mm-hmm. because um, Amazon is the devil. <laughs> so, well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I feel I feel a little bit better that I purchased it directly from the brand, mm-hmm. even though they're just another huge brand. What can you do? Um, <laughs> okay. So is that all we have to say? I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm testing, I'm going to test out this new, this new thing. Right. All right. So since it's the end of the episode, it is time for our supporter shout out. Okay, so every week we do a little supporter shout out. We have a list of people who give us a monthly donation through our podcasting platform, anchor.fm. And we're going to read a little list of those people who are so kind as to donate to us in support of the podcast. But let me just say before I go into it is that Sarah pointed out recently that the names are always in the same order. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I really should find a way to mix it up. So I actually put the names into a, uh, a scrambler on, <laughs> that I found on Google. So now it's a totally different order. Um, okay. Oh, no. Where is it? Okay. I found it. So shout out to Anna Dureka, Inga Pfeiffer, Teresa Madara, Sarah Creighton, Jessica Chelgren, Izzy, Dylan Schaubin, Glenn Ames. That's my dad. <laughs> Morgan Lasseter, Quinn, Alexis Dooley, Megan Stewart, Jennifer, Samantha McIntyre, Kevin Dooley, Karen B. Karen B. W. and Nina Schmidt. Oh yeah, my dad is a supporter of the podcast now. Um, so because he listens to it now after <laughs> two years. So thank you. This all. is a good time to tune in. I think. I think so too. Think. <laughs> well, I keep berating my family. I'm like, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. My sister Mallory was like have you ever considered making them shorter we tried and i was like <laughs> we tried i was like no <laughs> i was like we've learned that it doesn't matter as long as we want to be saying what we're saying um so that was funny so yeah thank you all for supporting us um if you are unable to make a monthly donation another great way to support us is to go to itunes if that's where you listen and leave us a nice review and a rating because um, it helps the podcast get spread around a little bit more All right, so thanks for listening to our first episode of the new year, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys.